All righty. Good morning, everyone. Today we have a great episode. We're going to be talking with Ben Johnson, who is the founder and CEO of Techno.com. You probably have seen the company uh, in Scott, and if you are familiar with the Scott area, you're probably familiar with the the light show that Techno pulls <laughs> off uh, every year. So we'll be, we're going to be talking with him about the company, the founding story of it, and getting to know more about that himself and the future of the company. So sit back and relax. All right, so before we get started, I'll tell you about my my presenting sponsor here. So Chase Group Construction, they are our presenting sponsor. They are basically, they take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking to build something or renovate your business, they are to go to guys. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical to popular restaurants like Fat Pats and Broussard and Bro Bridge, and also multi-unit shopping center developments. You can check out their website, chasegroupconstruction.com. All right. So, uh, Ben, it's also good to meet another Ben. <laughs> yes, always good to meet Ben's. Uh, so um, mm. tell me a little bit about you. Are you originally from the Lafayette area? Close, yeah. Um, so I was born in Eunice, um, and actually my family's from there. The, um, they had a grocery store, Johnson's Grocery, which became Johnson's Bucanier really? here. Yep. So are you, are you related to Greg Walls? Uh, I'm related to Lori, his wife. Okay. She's, she's a Johnson. Yeah. Got it. So wow. I guess we're cousins-in-law or something like that. That's awesome. Um, and then my um, another cousin, Nathaniel Johnson, had started Mosaic Coffee in Eunice, and then he started Rev here. Um, so, wow. Um, yeah. So Eunice, Eunice is represented. Um, and then another cousin-in-law, Laurel Hess, has... Um, Amber and seriously, yeah, yeah, that's all. We're all family, it's all one big family here. So, I started, uh, was was born in Eunice, but quickly moved a year, um, and came to uh, Scott area. We lived off the Wheat Circle, um, over the overpass there, and uh, stayed there until I was about 12, and um, then we moved to Lafayette. Um, went to a ton of different schools. I don't think I stayed at a school longer than three years. I was at like, um, Austin for two years. And then I was at St. Genevieve for two years. And then I was at, um, Myrtle place for two years. Then Paul bro for three, then Lafayette high for two years, then Acadiana high for two years, then UL for two years, flunked out, <laughs> went to work offshore, went and graduated from Texas A&M. Um, so everybody messes with me around here. They're like, Oh, you couldn't handle that in real school. So you had to, oh. you had to go graduate from an easy one. I was like, well, yeah, maybe so. I, reality was I had to get away from all the bad influences. <laughs> yeah. In my life at that point. Um, and so graduated, um, let's see, that was, Three major events. So graduated in 01 from A&M, got married a week later, and then moved to Houston a week later with my wife. And um, we stayed there for a couple of years. It was great to see a big, diverse city, um, but had our first kid, and we were like, all right, we're coming back home for the babysitters. Um, <laughs> so we made it back to Lafayette uh, back in um, 03. And so, you know, been here ever since, type deal. Okay. So you made it back to Lafayette in 03. When did you end up 
Uh, I, I know you said it. When did you end up moving away from Eunice? Because that's where you were. Yeah, we, I was only, I was a year old when my parents moved. Yeah, okay. moved okay. us. So. And where did y'all move to Scott area? Yeah, we moved yeah. into the Scott area. Got it. Yep. So, yeah, you don't really know Eunice as your hometown. Right? Not not much. I mean, besides going to the grandparents yeah. and then the cousins' houses, yeah. you know, we go see the other Johnsons. And um, and when so. did you um, go to school in A&M? Like, when did you move to that area? Yeah, so that was around 98. Um, so okay. I graduated high school in 95. Messed around, <laughs> you know, <laughs> went to college. <laughs> didn't really give it my best shot. Um yeah, and then after working offshore, look, I got mad respect for the people that do offshore work because I was like, nah, I can't. So you was a roughneck? I wasn't a roughneck. No, I wasn't. I'm not. I mean, look at me. There's no way I'm going to be a roughneck. <laughs> but um, I was an electrician's helper, so sitting in cable tray, pulling cables and um, wiring up panels and just being the gopher for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it was like, man, the schedule, I can't can't do it uh you know at that point i wanted to start thinking about a family and stuff like that and it was like this lifestyle just isn't gonna be really conducive for for what i wanted to do so it's like all right i'm gonna get back in school and i was like all right but i can't go back to ul <laughs> i'll never make it <laughs> like i've i've got to get it uh, far away and i was interested in seeing other cultures and just doing something different you know yeah, than yeah. being what i thought was a small town you know okay so i guess um what I want to know is uh, what made you come up with techno? Because, I mean, it, obviously mm. you had a little bit of experience in the oil field, but it wasn't your jam. It didn't sound yeah, like anyway. Yeah. Um, and you went to A&M. Um, what did you study there? I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, computer engineering. Computer engineering. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so... Mm. What... How did techno come about? Like, when did... When was techno founded and... Like why? Like yeah. why did it? Why did you feel like techno was needed? Yeah. So this could go on for a long time. So you're gonna have to tell me to stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> stop in. if I feel like there's something to elaborate on. Yeah, uh, I can, I can babble about this for a while. Um, <clears throat> so f from from one perspective, it was I always knew I wanted to start a business. Like our family, obviously, has a very entrepreneurial spirit. Um, my my grandfathers on my dad's side, they had, um, you know, Johnson's grocery, which I got to see him working in and, and just, it, it, we'd go and help him make boudin. Uh, it was just neat to see how he was affecting people's lives. And the grandma, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was a veterinarian. So he had his own business. Um, <clears throat> even my grandmother had a business in units as well. Uh, but then my dad started his own, um, company in 91 and my mom, a little, OCD entrepreneur. She had about three or four different businesses. She started <laughs> spinning up and do, and, and, and it was really just a thing. So I kind of grew up around that. And one thing that just always stuck with me was how cool it was that people knew my parents or they knew my grandparents and they always had great things to say about them. And you could see truly that they were affecting people's lives in one way or the other. And that was just, I mean, that was like, wow. Okay. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to do that. And, and maybe <laughs> if we're doing some psychological evaluation here, it might've been because I did skip to so many schools and didn't have what I consider to be kind of best friends you know it was always about in the, this interaction this human interaction and helping people and so I was like okay I'm gonna get out of college and I gave myself seven years and I was like I'm gonna start my own business I want to find something to do um so I got into the controls and automation space um because 
<laughs> I got out of school at 01, which was the dot-com bus. So nobody's looking for a computer engineer <laughs> at that time. Um, and so actually I went back to some of my roots when people saw I'd worked offshore, they said, well, Hey, you know, some of this and you're a computer engineer. Can you come in and help us? And so they put me on things that had nothing to do with my degree. Um, but when things came up, they were like, Hey, we have this database problem or we have this computer issue. They're like, Oh, go get the computer guy, Ben. He's the one that knows how to do that. Uh, so I got to start tinkering with new technologies that people didn't want to mess with. Um, and then when we moved back here, um, continued working, uh, at a company um, and built my own group um, within that company. Luckily, they were real cool and kind of they were hands off and they said, hey, you do what you want to do. We trust you. And so I built the group up from just myself to about 30 people. And um, I was hoping I was going to be able to stay with them to do it. But me and the CEO and CFO didn't see eye to eye on on a few things. Um, the company is still around. They are. They are still around. Yeah. Um, they're here in Lafayette. Uh, it's W Industries was the name of the company. Okay. Um, they were bought by a company out of Singapore, uh, CSE. Um, yeah. So, and, and at that point, um, <clears throat> you know, I was like, okay, now's a good time. I need to start something. And, and my dad and I started talking. We had been talking for a couple of years, actually. Like, if we wanted to start another business, what would it look like? Um, and my dad had a very unique experience when uh, with his business. He sold it right before the dot-com bust. And oh. it was this merger of seven companies. And um, it, was a, it was a big thing. It was a company called Icon here in town that got turned into a company named Brightstar. <clears throat> And, um, for various reasons, it, it didn't work well. And he, um, always felt like, man, there's gotta be a better way to do this, to exit a company. Uh, cause he saw people leaving. He saw, you know, and these were people he had hired and grown up and made commitments with and customers the same way. It was like, oh, well, they're leaving and they're bailing. And it was just a bad situation. And so we had always talked about, <clears throat> had been talking about, you know, how can we create a company that does something a little bit different that can, um, really, <clears throat> commit to its people and to the customers that, Hey, we're going to be around for a long time. You want to stick with us and we're going to make sure that, um, um, you know, techno's here for the long run and to help people out. And our, our mission statement is, uh, is three sentences is we help customers succeed. We help, uh, each other succeed and, uh, we help techno succeed. And that's kind of the order for the way that we do things is, you know, we focus on our customers and our people first, and then normally the stuff for techno, um, falls out. So, um, <clears throat> we have a very unique business model. It's, you know, and I'm jumping into the business model versus the tech. So, you, so maybe you're getting a feel for kind of what's driving that it, you know, I'm a computer nerd, so I love data. I loved playing. I was good at what I did. Um, so technically I had, I had, um, <clears throat> done some good things and kind of made a name for myself in the industry. It's pretty niche. It's, um, the part that we started off with is enterprise SCADA. And that's not something that a lot of people were doing at the time. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, I had all the connections and the technology and everything established, um, but the real driving factor again for me was, was helping people. And when we talked about the strategy for techno to become a perpetual company, we're talking about how it never going to go public and it's never going to be sold. Uh, we've had quite a few offers that my wife was like, well, what the hell are you doing, Ben? <laughs> like, well, I was like, no, sorry, this isn't, you know, that's not the point of this. Um, um, I mean, it had to be some pretty good offers, huh? 
They were decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I stopped even listening to the offers because I was like, I don't even want to be tempted. Uh, and, and so anyway, so the idea was that we create a company where um, you can basically essentially pass it along to people within the company. You grow your leaders. Um, and a company that's, that's centralized around what we call distributed capitalism, like those that make the money or, or yeah, those that help make the money should be the ones that receive the money as well. Uh, one thing that neither my dad or I really were into was um, sort of the CEO greed type thing, you know, I, I'm never going to be a CEO that makes 300 times the average um, team member's salary. You know, I'm not, I don't have a big enough ego to think that I'm <laughs> worth 300 times someone else. Um, okay. So we have a very robust profit sharing plan. Um, and we now have nine owners at Techno. It's not just my father and I. It's um, we've brought in people, sold off parts of the company to them. They've created their own business unit. Some of them came in and started it brand new. So it's a bunch of different companies under the techno umbrella. Um, and that's, uh, and I'm kind of all over the place here. I apologize. No, but it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take as many, much of it as I can in. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Michael and I don't have to exit the company in order. We make sure that we're growing wealth as we go. Right. Okay. And the people around us are growing wealth. Cause I think that's what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is they say, Hey, I'm really good at something. Let me go start a business. And they start a business and it, it'll do well 30 years maybe. And then they look up and they say, Oh my God, I need to retire. And it's like, wait, I haven't been really that profitable or I haven't been, you know, I've been leveraging debt, all the stuff the MBA schools tell you to do, right? Leverage debt, show that hockey stick EBITDA and then go and sell the company. Well, that's very disruptive. And now you've done <laughs> essentially what Michael had gone through, which was, you know, a company will implode with that. Yeah. And so we're trying to instill in the way that we do business, we're cash positive. We've been cash positive from day one. We have zero debt. We haven't tried to leverage debt. Um, you know, we want to work within the means of what we have. Um, so that, uh, again, we're trying to incentivize people to stay profitable <laughs> and yeah. do what a business should do, um, which is make money to provide a better environment for people. And um, anyway, so so helping these guys grow wealth and Michael and I being able to sell off means we don't have to go to a public company, right? We don't have to go and disrupt the entire company by um, by our exit. And so we've continued to do that. And then along the same line with the technology, it was, um, you know, we're, we're developing. We're not trying to go out and, um, you know, shock the world or be super disruptive or anything. We, we really pride ourselves on listening to the needs of our customers. And as we've done that, we've found that uh, we've created some great relationships because we've helped people. Um, yeah. We've helped people achieve things that they couldn't otherwise without us. And when we listen and we find pain points, we start to understand more things that we can help our customers with. And that's how the company just okay. starts to grow. And I, I'm sorry, I went way off on a <clears> tangent. No, no, you're good. Me, Why did you're you good. start techno? And I just. I have a couple of questions, but <laughs> before we get into that, um, I have a couple more sponsors to mention and then we will continue from there. Cool. So I got the Music Academy of Acadiana. You guys already know Music Academy of Acadiana has been sponsoring the podcast for years now, and we appreciate them a whole lot. Uh, so basically, you can unleash your musical potential with the Music Academy of Acadiana by learning all the different instruments that they teach. And of, of course, your voice is an instrument. They, teach, they help you fine-tune that, but like in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, all those things. If you want to learn audio production, they teach that. 
their accept their experienced instructors cater to students of all ages and styles. Their graduates have excelled in college and major music competitions like uh, American Idol and The Voice, you know, just to name wow. some little ones. Uh, founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson, they've won national recognition and are consistently voted as a top music school since 2016. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And you can check out their website, musicacademyacadiana.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram and all those other places, too. Probably on the new social media site threads as well. <laughs> you know, just check them out. Uh, great, great people, local companies. And then we have our newest sponsor, Electronic Protection Systems, or a.k.a. EPS. You probably have seen the sign in and around town in front of uh, residential properties, commercial properties, all those good places. So at the root of the company, they've been around for over 20 years. They are a uh, home and office security company. But they also got into uh, improving in-home water conditions. So on hmm. top of security systems, they, they also sell water conditioning systems. So basically, um, whenever I bought a house last year, <clears throat> we were with a one of the national security companies and uh, EPS drove up and they were like, hey, we saw you that you just moved in. Uh, uh, who's your secu- security company? And so I told him, he's like, look, we can help you save money. I'm like, I like saving money. So uh, <laughs> they, they told me how much they charge for like monitoring. I said, that's great. I was like, how much the equipment, how much is the equipment? And they gave me like this price. So it was like probably 10 to $15 lower than what I was already paying. I was like, good dude, I'm, I'm about it. Sold. So I got their security system. This is before they even sponsored. So uh, <laughs> I had their products in my home. And then we just not long ago uh, got their water conditioning system. Basically, it takes uh, all the tap water going into your house and filters it, takes out hard water and bleach and chlorine or whatever the have you that's in your water, all the the uh, hard water sediments takes it all out. And they also put a water filter right at your tap in your kitchen. So really cool. And taking a shower in this water feels good. It's different. It's so different. Uh, You know, a lot of people say, oh, I go to the country where, you know, visit grandma and her water feels like it still sticks to me. It's like I can't dry off. That's because you're used to bathing in hard water. Anyway, uh, they're a great local company. You can check them out. Uh, Their website, uh, I have it in the captions of the video here. But also you can see on their logo, uh, eps-online.com and their phone number. Great local companies. And uh, with that, we'll continue with our conversation with Ben here. So, all right. So going back to the initial question of, (laughs) you know, techno and the company, I want to know, what does techno actually do? Uh, Like, what is the, what is the product that you sell? Because I hear about this, (laughs) the, the formation of the company and how we operate, but what brings in the money? Yeah. Good question. Uh, so we're essentially a services company. So, and we're business to business. Um, to give the 50,000 foot view of what we do, to not get into too technical nerdy yeah. stuff, um, <clears throat> we help customers digitally transform. And that's kind of a... What does that mean? It's kind of a buzzword, <laughs> right? Um, it's a fancy thing for saying, hey, let's, let's, let's make this stuff electronic, what we're doing. So businesses do something that makes them money. Um, and they 
typically are going to want insights into that. Data mm-hmm. is now a, a big deal for companies. The more data you have, the quicker you get it, the better decisions you can make, and then financially <laughs> make better decisions, right? So do you help mom and pops get off of uh, paper receipts we, and digital? We can, we can help them do that, yes. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the, the services at Techno range a, a, a pretty broad spectrum. So we do a lot of oil and gas, obviously, being a Louisiana company. Um <clears throat> But we do municipalities. We, we help manufacturing, food and bev. Uh, any company that that is wants to automate processes or just monitor these processes. So we have people that will go on site and put electronics in place. And um, so we talk about it from endpoints enterprise, getting their data from out in the field, wherever that may be, on a plant floor, out in Denver or wherever into their back office. And um, so we we try to handle all those steps, which are creating the data by putting sensors, um, organizing that data by putting devices out there that gather it and then can do um, automation based off of certain rules that we program the devices to make sure like vessels don't blow up or um, tanks don't spill into the environment. Um, And, and help optimize those processes to make them more oil and gas or make them more widgets, whatever it is. And then we can move that data into um, a centralized storage place where they can view it. We'll create screens for the data, let them see processes uh, where they can actually control it remotely so they don't have to have people on, on site uh, in some of these unsafe conditions or even just in normal operations. It's cheaper, right? Less windshield time. And then we'll take all of that data and aggregate it and bring it back into their main office and feed it into, we'll we'll bring together their IT systems and their OT systems is what it's called. Basically, their back office, think of things like accounting, HR, invoicing, bookkeeping, uh, where they typically in corporations, those are separated Right. It's your data is over here for your field stuff and then your data is over here for all your back office. So we help them get it all the way there and kind of merge it together to give them those business insights. And then we put a cybersecurity wrapper around all of it. We have um, a group that will go and put up towers for satellite or cell modems or to transmit that data in areas where they're just remote and no one can get access to it. So that's. Kind of the big picture. I mean, do the cloud and stuff, but yeah, yeah, the cloud's a buzzword too, too much nowadays. Yeah. But yeah, um, so the oil field is your—is that like the biggest sector that you guys kind of deal with? That's our biggest revenue generator yeah. for sure. You know, that's where we started. Um, one of our groups that we started diversifying to, which is more of that back office piece, and which more people in Lafayette would be familiar with what Techno does, is we we have a, we're a managed service provider for IT. So basically. Cool your mom and pops or the people that don't have huge IT groups, we go in and help them fix, you know, break, fix type stuff. We'll go fix their laptops, their servers. Um, we'll monitor (laughs) their networks. We'll put in networking. Um, and we even help some bigger companies too. that are just understaffed or just need some expertise to come in and say, Hey, I got the people to do it. I just need you to tell me how to do it. (laughs) You know, I don't know how to do it. Um, so, so that's diversified us outside of oil and gas and we're seeing great traction there. And then, um, yeah, with these buzzwords like IOT, a lot of different industries are starting to get into what the oil and gas company has been doing for decades. So, so when you go into some of these offices, it's funny to hear IT people talk about troubleshooting (laughs) because the first thing, and some of you probably already know where I'm about to go with this. One of the first things that IT will always ask you. Is did you restart? Have you tried powering it <laughs> off and on? Have you have you tried turning it off or <laughs> unplugging it? Because almost 
I don't know what the percentage is, but I would I would dare to say like 75, 80% of your issues come from just it's scary. Yeah. restarting your yeah. computer or your device. Yeah. Not going to lie, this iPad right here, I keep it on all the time. But there are times where I'm like, you know what? It's been acting a little wonky. Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and just turn it, turn it off. And yep. sometimes I'll leave it off for a few days, come back and turn it on, and everything just kind of works like yeah. it should. Stop telling everyone. <laughs> I'm we might secrets. start losing our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's not that big of a secret. I think the thing is, no, people freak out. Like my dad, I, I, I doubt my dad's listening, but if he is, sorry, dad. Um, whenever we first got our computer, uh, he would not want to touch it. Really? Like this is when pop ups ran rampant. Mm. Uh, this was back in the early 2000s. This AOL? Oh, that, that's post AOL. Yeah. So AOL was starting to fade out. There was still AIM Messenger, but like just just him browsing the internet. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was, uh, I had Firefox, but Firefox was still uh, in an in infancy stage. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't as sophisticated as it is today, just like Google and all them have a really good, like if you still use Internet Explorer, uh, God help you. Um, <laughs> So um, he would go browsing because he was big into motorcycles. So he would go to these motorcycle websites and uh, Google search engine and Yahoo at the time was still a thing. Um, they were still just coming to coming into their age and a pop up would come up off of one of these, you know, bizarre websites that mm-hmm. he would land on mm-hmm. and he would just immediately throw his hands up <laughs> like Ben, <Freak> out. <laughs> Ben, what did I do? I said, dad. You didn't do anything. And it's like the pop-up says, like, your computer is at risk or right, something. Like, it's right. flashing red and green and whatever have you. Yeah. And I'm like, that. just, you see that just little X button? Out. But what's bad is today, the X button can be the bad the button. actual, yeah, yeah. So, like. They've gotten very sophisticated. And the social engineering part of it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the stupid looking things anymore. They look legit. Yeah. You really have to be careful about phishing. We, we've helped a lot. Our cybersecurity team has, has helped a lot of people. And yeah. We and run, you can't restart. No. Just that. Yeah. And we run tests at our office, like to keep our people on their toes. And <laughs> look, these are computer scientists, engineers. I mean, these are smart people in the tech world and they fall for these emails and these pop-ups. Yeah. Uh, so you may remember, and you probably have experience in this. Um, and I think it still goes on, but it like, Probably six years ago, five, six years ago, it was it, it really hit hard, especially in Lafayette, is um, uh, ransomware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I worked at golfballs.com, mm-hmm. big tech company here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a local logo graphic designer there. And I would basically process all the logos. And we, I mean, email is transferred all the time over there, like sales people to me, to to the to the printers to back and then customers and uh shipping and like everywhere it had like a point of contact well over there there's a ton of shipping like you get shipping notifications like the salespeople would get notifications like oh this item is being shipped out or you know you might be waiting on this package and you'll get an email that looks like ups or fedex and it had looks like it has a tracking number on Mm -hmm. it and in the routine of checking emails for packaging being delivered and received or like sent out, they would somebody in the office click the email and click to, to view tracking. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately, one of our network attached uh, drives was just locked. Ugh. I mean, the amount of data that was in this particular drive yeah. was bad. It, I, I was locked out of all of my, my creative files, which was 
part of the like I was told that my job at title at that moment process like 75 to 80 percent of the revenue of the company i couldn't do a lot of the work to reprint wow. orders uh it got bad holy shit so yeah. so like what you're doing as far mm. as like an it company helping people with fishing and like those types of things yeah. that right there is the real like work restarting your computer <laughs> hey right. baby stuff but when you get fished and you if you get hit it's it's bad man and they're they're really sophisticated now like cuz they'll go to like linkedin profiles we had a customer that you know that they had the ransomware had been all in their system for over a year oh no just laying dormant like cancer. And it's mapping out the systems. It's making sure it can find the backups. Um, you know, they're much smarter now. It's not about just locking down one machine. They, they want to <clears throat> lock down the entire oh. organization. Um, <clears throat> and and they also do things like they go to LinkedIn. They see who the CEO is. They see who the accounts payable clerk is. And once they're in there, then they can start spoofing those emails. And they'll send what looks like an email from the CEO to the accounts payable group and say, hey, I have this invoice for $50,000. I need you to go pay it right now. And who's going to tell their CEO no? You know, right? It's an internal email. It looks fine. That is insane. <clears throat> Bro, that nuts. is. I'll be honest. That's amazing. It, is. it really is amazing. It is. It's yeah. like it's like pirates today are just wild. I mean, pretty much as a pirate, like you come in and you you trying to rob a ship. Yeah. Like well, and, and and one thing that I think has made it actively worse is cyber insurance. You know, um, because now these companies have to have cyber insurance. Well. These criminals know, oh, your policy is a $5 million policy. Now I know exactly how much money I can get. From, yeah, yeah. You know, they might have asked for a hundred grand before. Now it's, oh no, I want 5 million to unlock uh, your, your system. Yeah. And the, the shocking thing is a lot of these companies have to pay it. Once you're locked down, mm -hmm. I mean, and you, you weigh the value of taking your time, fighting it, trying to get through all the backups, doing all this versus paying it and get it unlocked. Yeah. Yeah. 5 million is sometimes cheap. Yeah, let me tell you, whenever that happened, um, we we probably sat on, now, I don't know if I should be saying this, but it's been, I, I, it's been so long since I've been out of the company, it's probably fine. I'm sure Tom's not listening. Yeah. You're fine. You're good. And Tom, Tom's been on the podcast before. He's, he's a awesome. good friend of mine. But, um, so, we, we this, the, that was the first time ransomware had hit our company. We, were, we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. We thought we had enough smart people to basically unlock what we needed. We thought, oh yeah, we'll, what we'll do is we'll just look up a back, our backup files and restore everything that we lost. Mm -hmm. That wasn't that wasn't happening. Yeah. So it, it was it was locked down so well and then they kept having this this like pop up that would say like you have this amount of time mm -hmm. left before your files are just locked indefinitely. Yeah. And we're like this is so wild. And so they were asking for a, a a decent amount of money. Yeah. I want to say it was definitely in the hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars because of the, the type of company and all that. And then uh, I don't remember if we, I don't know, I don't remember if the company paid it at that time or not, or if we just lost those files. I think we might have lost a chunk of files, but we got hit again Ugh. a second time. And again, another employee got an email thinking that this, this thing was, a legitimate email yeah. and clicked it and locked another portion of the company. And at that moment, 
I remember we 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 just said, okay, we're paying it. We got we got, yeah, we had to get our yeah. stuff because you had been through that pain before. Yes. <laughs> so it it's just so wild. So if a company's listening, like if you haven't been hit. It, it could happen. Oh, it's, it's coming. Yeah. 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 You have to, nowadays you have to have some level of protection and, and it's good when you have things in the cloud that gives you a level of protection as well. But yeah, when you get to these social engineering. Yeah. And like, attempts, I get so many emails uh, too that it's, I can, I almost can instantly see that it's phishing. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've been pretty good at it. Plus I, I treat my emails almost like my phone calls. If I don't recognize the number, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I swipe out of it. Yeah. Like just don't, don't answer it. Um, and I, I've actually, you know, I've opened up the emails just to view what was inside it, just to get a quick scan of like if it's mm-hmm. felt fishy. And it almost nine times out of ten, I'm like, dude. And I check the email that it's coming from, and it's like uh, PayPal, but with the like a, a different character in the PayPal word, yep. and like dot yep. dot this dot that dot. Yep. I'm like, oh my god. And so yesterday, funny enough, I received an email that was a gift card, a $100 gift card. I'm like, it was so random. I'm like, where's this $100 gift card coming from? And it was coming from one of my sponsors. And I'm like, hmm, uh, seems fishy. Yeah. But we do some stuff with this particular sponsor that we do get like, uh, uh, what do you call that, incentives sometimes. Mm-hmm. But th- I've never seen this. So I reached out. I was like, hey. I took a screenshot. Is this real? Yeah. So like they made the contact and they, they said, yes, okay. it's, it's real. And I was like, dude, cause mm. I was, I was, I got excited for a second. Then I was like, no, it's, it can't be real. And sure enough it was, but, but like stuff like that makes people feel like, especially when it comes to money. Like if you feel like you're about to get money, mm-hmm. like you almost want to fall for it immediately. Yeah. Yep. It's wild. It is. So, so you guys do a lot with data, obviously mm-hmm. a lot of data. data. So, and we we're at thirty we're at thirty minutes here, so Damn. time's flying already. It is, I know. Yeah. So I want to get into the the growth of the company. Okay. Um, not long ago, I wrote about your expansion. You guys bought the um, God, Fontana, what, the Fontana Center, and I think that was like a physical therapy type place or mm-hmm. something like that. So you guys are going to be moving um, from the Scott area to the Fontana Center. That's located off of uh, Kali Saloon Road, not far away from Pinhook. Um, why? I'm mean, obviously I wrote about it, so I know kind of why. But like, <laughs> like you guys are growing so much. Like, are you just at it? You just need more people, or like, what do you need? Do you need more equipment? Like, what is what is the the necessary reason for the the increase in square footage? Yeah, we need the space. <laughs> we need the space for people and parking. Our parking oh, is so bad. Because um, yeah. if you walk into our business right now, you'd think it was an Asian sweatshop. I mean, it's, it's you'd <laughs> think it was Nike. We're like, I don't Sorry, I shouldn't be saying things like that. But it's, it, I mean, we're so crammed <laughs> and we're in such a small space. We're in 11,000 square foot. And, you know, everybody needs their desk with their two monitors and we don't have walls. We want a very open, um, our, our culture is very unique. Well, I hope it's unique, but, um, yeah. And we're just, we, we've reached a tipping point and we're seeing more growth, uh, happening. We've been hiring at a crazy pace this last year and, uh, we knew that we needed to get it. Well, and this was a few years back. We had even started when we were, we started looking, we were about 80 people and we're up to like 140 now. So yeah. Um, but we finally signed our contract with a general contractor. So we will That's awesome. hopefully get started here within the next week. Um, 
So you guys, there's a pool there. The Fontana <laughs> had a pool there. Yes. So you're going to be filling in that pool. Yeah, we are. We had a lot of interesting ideas from the people at the company <laughs> that they wanted to keep the pool. Everyone is still really upset that we are not because we're going to fill it in. And they were like, oh, Ben, we could just, we could put like plexiglass over the top. It could be a huge aquarium. I was like, no, that's insane. They were like, okay, we can drain it and we can put ski balls like Chuck E. Cheese and it could be a, it could be a ball pit. And we just, yeah. I was like, an Olympic sized ball pit. What are y'all people? Okay. <laughs> Let's empty it, and we can put our desks in there. I was like, I don't think OSHA is going to want a 10-foot drop-off in the middle <laughs> of our workspace, guys. Come on. Yeah, um, you definitely have some uh, some uh, liability risk there. Yes, yeah. and But, I mean, look, the, the Lafayette commercial market is insane. So we had been looking for a while and just couldn't find anything that um, fit us. And, again, we're trying not to go into into a lot of debt. So building right now is insane with the costs, um, to build something. So we really needed to find something that we could renovate. Um, and it, it was just really nothing. It was, we would get into traditional office spaces with a lot of offices, class A office, and it just, that's not how our company operates. So we needed something a little unique. And when we found that it was like, Okay, I'm not creative enough to see how this can work, but I think it can work. So, um, yeah, we were like, let's pull the trigger. Let's do it. And, okay. Uh, so you guys want to carry over the 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 vibe of the current space where yeah. everybody can, like, see everybody. Spread out. Yeah. Because yeah. so we're very much project-based. Yeah. And, and the way that I think people learn best is through their peers. And so we have what's called a feedback loop where people – you need to be criticizing – the people you're working with and, and criticism isn't only negative, right? There's positive criticism as well. Yeah. Um, and you Which need is more to, rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do tell people, Hey, if you want people to accept your negative criticism, you sure as hell better be giving them positive criticism right, as well. Right. Cause it's just not going to have the same impact. They're just going to be like, I'm not talking to this asshole. They, all they do is yell at me, you know? Time, um, yeah. But so we need that open office environment, not only for technically for people to just kind of say, Hey man, I don't understand this script. How do I get it working? Or, um, it's also for the um, the feedback to, for people to be able to say, "Look, you sent that email. And that was a little weird. Like, don't, don't, don't do that again." <laughs> you know. And so we wanted to keep that culture of, and, and we move people around as projects dictated. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I my desk is right in the middle of everybody. It's um, I'm no different from anyone else. Like, I need feedback. I'm a first time business owner. I so, need. Yeah. So does your desk look like one of those? Um, like wild drummer uh, kits where <laughs> there's like sim- that, that and there's symbols yeah. all the way around you. There's yeah. like screens all the way around you. You have a swivel chair to where you, you can swivel around to your other <laughs> 200 screens. Where you just like <laughs> no, no, no. That would be really cool though. Yeah, My desk like is an no different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No different from anyone else's. Are you going to, uh, I don't, you, you seem like you're pretty up with technology. Are you going to uh, get Some one point. of the, uh, the Vision Pro from Apple where you have a headset on you. <laughs> I mean, it just seems so weird. They're projecting your eyes on the front and it looks strange. And we have a VR set at the house, you know, that the girls love. I'm Is not it a the huge, Oculus sets. Um, no, it's, 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 uh, sorry. I threw a HTC, it's the HTC. Okay. Vive. Yeah. Those are yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, love Beat Saber and mm-hmm. they play some of the, like the scary games my kids are into, that's hilarious. To You've watch done the do. plank board yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah the dude. Yeah. Oh, that's the easy one we do when people come over. Right, right, right. <laughs> We've only had a couple weird. people fall. It, feels, it, it, it totally takes you out of your element and like you, you forget that you're just on a, you know, hard surface, yeah. Yeah. you know, without a, 
you see yeah. all these short viral videos of people like, you know, they're in a game, they're going to pass the ball and then they run. And yeah, they run they into a wall. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, yeah. So we got a few mm. minutes left. Obviously, uh, we got to know about your company and kind of what you do and the expansion plan. So, um, kind of talk about technology as a whole, because uh, obviously that's your industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing in technology now? Obviously, virtual reality, but like, where do you see technology heading that excites you for the future? Good question. Um, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by the AI stuff. Yeah. You know, everybody at the office is using it now a lot. Um, and I'm intrigued by just some of the, 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 the social politicking around it and the understanding of, okay, is this truly a technology that might get out of hand or is this something that, no, it's, it's programmed like by a human. Situation. It's never going to get worse than a human. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there's some, there's some real good um, applications of it to, to help. And I think, you know, we've always had this tons of data at our fingertips on the internet and it's become more of a bad thing. You know, you've, you figured it would have educated people <laughs> by having no, like, no. the entire library of the earth <laughs> at your fingertips, but it seems to have just amplified the people that, I don't know. Ben, I mean, before, <laughs> before we went live, you were talking to me about how people were talking about how they think the earth is flat. <laughs> right. And if you're a flat earth, earther listening, I, I'm not going to argue at this moment, mm. but, you know, we've had so much information and I'll, I'll be honest there are some times where information that was told to us for years has turned out to Absolutely. be fake. Mm-hmm. Um, the government has already alluded that they have unidentified objects that they can't explain, right. and they've released footage. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's you know, crazy. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. But to believe that Earth is flat is a wild one. Yeah. And we've had so much data we actually have satellites in this the, the sky <laughs> that rotate around, like, like revolve around the Earth. Oh yeah, but that's manipulated. It's that's manipulated. All manipulated. I know. The the, so the speck of light that I see that's flying <laughs> seventeen thousand miles an hour across the sky is not the space station right. that's in space. <laughs> like it's that's not it. No, it's going back and forth across the flat Earth. That's oh, what's all across the yeah, flat Earth. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, talking about all this information <laughs> and AI, you would think that the human race would have gotten smarter, but. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I love AI. I use it. I use ChatGPT on my yep. my system here. Um, I use the the artwork uh, AIs that are out mm. there, which are getting even Nutso. wilder. Yeah. There are some things that like Photoshop can do now, where you can change your shirt. If you don't like the shirt you're wearing in a photo, you can change it. Wow. It looks like it's part of you. You want you want different hair. Now there's still some quirks about it. Yeah. AI is still kind of quirky. <laughs> But, you know, I think that's um, it's going to be an interesting next five years to see where technology is. Because I feel like, and you can kind of, you know, chime in on this. I feel like since probably, give or take, 2008 to 2010, that range until 2020, just kind of putting that time stamp on it, technology hasn't really blown us away in that those those years like mm-hmm. computers have relatively stayed pretty equivalent speeds like from 2010 to 2020 like computers didn't really get that much faster like your gigahertz and all those mm-hmm. fancy numbers that you see <laughs> um but like so it's just weird to see like that we're we're in a area of time where technology is is changing 
so rapidly when it felt like there was like this slump. And I don't know if you've felt a slump or if you can. Not so much. I think, I think that's indicative of the way that um, technology is created um, in that, you know, it's, it's through um, sort of these think tanks and you'll have them at these major corporations, the R and D, the, the colleges, you know, and, and so they're coming, they're always coming out with things, but it's, it's not until they've taken the time to get into the cycles of actually somehow commercializing it when it gets exposed to, you know, the, the actual populace, so to yeah. speak. So, um, cause AI has been around for a long time. Right. And, and Previous to 2008, I mean, they, we've been working on, on AI for a long time, um, and it's just gotten to that point where there's enough mass and there's enough weight behind it that the average person can use it and apply that technology. So I think you you'd see some of those fluctuations where it feels like down years, and it's probably just if you dig a little deeper, there's some really cool stuff going on. It's just we don't know what to do yeah. with it yet, or we haven't exactly well, kind of figured it out. I guess I'm talking more more generalized technology uh, innovation. Um, cause I know AI has really, it's been around for a while, but like, it's, it's really kind of hit that hockey stick kind of, yeah. uh, move at the moment, but like just in general, like computers. Uh, okay. So for example, we got our first computer when I was 13 in 1999. <laughs> I know you're probably thinking, Oh my God, you graduated high school in 95. Right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm still a baby. Yeah. So, um, and that computer, it was a gateway. Remember the cow? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it had 366 megahertz. <laughs> It came with a four, I want to say a four gig hard drive and, oh God, it was probably, I want to say 32 megs of RAM. It was small. Yeah. Like it was tiny. And when we first got it, it felt fast. It felt great. The little screensaver with the maze on Mm -hmm. it, you know, (laughs) I I loved it. I played games on it. And then literally in two to three years, that computer was so slow. It could have been my fault. Uh, I downloaded <laughs> LimeWire on oh, it. Oh, so no. <laughs> That could have been my fault. I'll be honest. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, um, it's one of those things. I feel like technology had this rapid hoppy hockey stick from the, the, the mid-90s to the, the early 2000s. And then we kind of just had computers that kind of felt the same speed for a while. And then we get to um, kind of where we are today. Like this computer right here is the Apple M1, where it has their uh, ARM-based chip. It's not the Intel chip. Mm-hmm. This computer has no fan. It doesn't have any kind of cooling device except for the chassis that it's, it has. That's crazy. And this is the fastest computer that I've ever owned. This is the MacBook Air. This is supposed to be their entry level system, hmm. and the MacBook Air and Intel was not a good computer. Like yeah. you, you probably got that for college, and you could probably check your email with it. Maybe <laughs> do an Excel spreadsheet, maybe. Yeah. But like, I edit video on this 4K. I scrub through 4K videos so fast, like it does. Yeah, that's insane. It doesn't skip a beat. Uh, I have multiple programs open. I had a. Uh, a Mac mini before this that I bought in 2014. It was an Intel based computer and I had to close every single app and only leave one open at a time because that's the only amount of all the resources. Yeah. Yeah. It couldn't handle it. And I still got the Mac mini, but it's just unplugged in a box somewhere. And this right here has been the best computer. And I don't bring my charger. Like I see other people in the coffee shop. Mm -hmm. They have their laptops. They have their chargers plugged in. I don't bring my charger because it, 
it lasts me almost two days without plugging it in. Yeah. Technology is wild That's amazing. Right now. It is. And so I feel like since 2020, we're, we're seeing this massive growth in computer technology and, all, of course, AI that in the, in the next five years, man, um, I'm excited, but I, I am genu- genuinely scared of where things are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be some interesting times for sure. Yeah. So you guys obviously use AI in your kind of company, but like, has, has it gotten to a point to where people have felt like AI may take their job? (laughs) Man, I tell you what, you know, in, in this type of business, we've heard that a long, for a long time. It's not yeah. just about AI. It's because when you, when you talk about what we do, we're automating processes. Mm-hmm. And when you automate, you take people out of those processes. Right. Um, <clears throat> and so we've always heard that. And, and typically, yes, some people lose their jobs. Um, but for the most part, if that person <laughs> is a smart and intelligent person, these companies want to keep them. And so they're going to put them in more useful situations. You know, right. uh, they're going to put them at the forefront of researching some new stuff or um, something that's a little more valuable might generate some more money. So I think AI is going to be sort of in that same space. I mean, as a service company, we still have to go and figure out what the customer wants. You know how hard it is to figure out what a customer actually wants. Exactly. There's no way they're going to put it in chat GPT or any other program <laughs> and say, Hey, do my data for me. Right. I mean, they can't, yeah, there, there right, is no right. interaction now. Maybe AI does get smart enough and, and continues to quiz and learn. Um, 21 questions. <laughs> right. But just in our, yeah, in our industry, definitely not. And I think even in others, yeah, they, you might, be able to replace some writers, you know, um, but if you've got a good company, you should be able to utilize yeah. those people in another way. So uh, a friend of mine, we've talked about AI a good bit because he's he's into it. He's been doing machine learning work uh, mm. since before mm-hmm. 2020. And um, I told him, because he, he's asking me like, hey, so what do you think? Like, do you think AI would take people's jobs? I said, look, honestly, if it's going to take the jobs away <clears throat> from people that do, that do not want to learn how to use AI. Yeah. I think if you're a creative person, especially if you're a creative person, because AI is coming for the creative industry hard. Um, I mean, since October of last year, 80 to 90% of my articles have been 80 to 90% written by ChatGPT. Yeah. I go and I, I edit and I add my own bits and pieces that I would normally add to the article. But as far as just getting the format down and just kind of getting the general layout of the article it does it pretty well and it and it can, i can even tell it kind of how to mimic what i your would style yeah. yeah and so it i use it on a regular basis not to replace me but to alleviate a a part of what my workload was so that i can allocate more work elsewhere that ai hasn't really tapped into yeah. yet yeah. And so um, it's just really interesting. And I think if you're not going to be down with AI, you're going to be down out of a job. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what's going to happen. It's just technology in general, man. It's getting everywhere. Yeah. And, and I told my friend, I was like, this is, we're at a point right now where back in the early 90s, when not knowing how to work a computer wasn't necessarily a bad thing a for deal. you. Yeah. yeah. But if you knew how to work a computer, you, it was good. Like, yeah. hey, we, we like that you know this kind of language of technology. Yeah. We want to hire you because you, you have, have very that. valuable skill set. Right. <laughs> so I feel like we're at a point now where your quote-unquote old-timers, 
don't want to learn AI. They don't feel like it's necessary at the moment. Like, oh, I'm going to continue to do my hard work. Mm -hmm. That's going to get me places because that's what we've been told. Hard work gets you places. It still does. But you can make your hard work easier. (laughs) And so I feel like we're at like that. I call it the keyboard, like the typewriter to keyboard kind of move where we're going from doing manual work on the computer to where now AI can alleviate some of that. And if you're not going to hop onto that and learn it, you're going to, your, your value to a company is going to be diminished. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff though. It is. Well, um, we're, 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 hold on. So we got a comment. Michael Boudreaux, Ben knows what's up with Hawaiian shirts on Fridays. Oh God. So we have a Hawaiian shirt Fridays yeah, well, yeah. at Techno now, and I never had a Hawaiian shirt. And you've never had an Hawaiian I've shirt. Never what? had a Hawaiian shirt, and I got um, a few. We we did a cruise a couple of weeks ago, and we were in Honduras, and I saw one. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm we gonna get it. one. I gotta do it. So how long have y'all been ha- having Hawaiian shirt day? It's it's been probably a couple of months now. Okay, we, okay. Because okay, so sorry. We started off with Techno Tie Tuesday because we basically don't have a dress code at, at the office. I'm and down it with was that. like, hey, one day a week, let's all remember we're professionals and people are paying us good money to do what we do. <laughs> so let's let's get dressed up. It doesn't have to be a tie, but you know, hey. And so then that turned into. Um, Techno T-shirt Wednesday to supplement Tie Tuesday, so everyone dressed down on uh, Wednesdays, and now we have Jersey Day where people wear their jerseys, and then the latest one is is Hawaiian shirt Fridays. That's awesome. And I, I I had I had forgotten again about this thing, and so I had the Hawaiian shirt on, <laughs> and I was like, great, I'm going to a, a podcast with a Hawaiian shirt on, and uh, but it, these are so weird. I don't know if they normally come like this, but there's no buttons at the tops, and so I put it on, oh. and I was like, oh my god, like the man cabbage is hanging out. Yeah. I felt like I needed a gold <laughs> chain on. I was like, no, this is, okay. I'm putting on an undershirt. Miami this is, Vice feels over here. weird. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. So. Look, um, I I don't don't feel bad that you have a Hawaiian shirt on. Uh, whenever I had the CEO of Auctioner on, mm. uh, probably a couple of years ago, and I said, you know what? For this episode, I'm going to purposely wear one of my Hawaiian shirts. Really? Because oh. he's probably going to have a nice suit on or a coat <laughs> or something. I want to be in a Hawaiian shirt because I do not. I do not subscribe to. I need to look a certain way. Uh, not only, only like if I, I'll wear a polo yeah. with my logo on it. Right. If I'm meeting someone new or like trying to sell something, but like I feel like if you value me, you don't. My appearance shouldn't matter. Like it's t- all technology based. Like I can do everything that I need to. I can. Go, I do it shirtless half the time. Right. You just don't <laughs> see it. I'm at my desk at home in my boxers doing all this work, creating websites, and I'm shirtless. Yeah. Hawaiian shirt is definitely an upgrade. We are, yeah. We are one and the same. Yeah, people that voted for No Pants Wednesday, and I said, Oh, no. no. Yeah. Yeah, see, cross the line right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll allow sandals and shorts and all that stuff. Yeah, maybe pajama Wednesday or something. Right. Yeah, maybe that would be better. (laughs) All right, man. Well, look, uh, I don't want to hold you up too much longer because it's over an hour, but um, it was a great conversation. Yeah. It was fun. I appreciate the uh, invite. Yeah, I, I appreciate you coming, and I, I love to 
hear a little, a little bit more about it, and I have a better understanding of what you do because whenever I honestly, whenever I wrote about your expansion and you told me that you handle big data, I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> right. Like, I don't. Oh. I've never heard of large data. Like large data, what is that? <laughs> like, oh, and you did call. You did say there was me and my brother that started Techno, and my dad absolutely loved it, bro. Really he went crazy, <laughs> yeah. Because well, one of the things when we first started, we would go do sales calls, and they would call us brothers. And uh, I would, I would lose my shit. And he was he was just smiling <laughs> ear to ear, like, yeah, me and my brother, we're doing this. <laughs> so, that, oh, I, okay. So, yeah. Hey, but I, okay. Well, cool. No, and I proofread it. And I, I intentionally left that in. I saw it. And I intentionally left it in because I knew he was just going to get a kick out of it. Good. All right. Well, I'm glad he got a kick out of it. Yeah. All cool. right. Well, uh, that's it, man. Um, it's, it's It's been a great episode. Um I hope you have a great weekend, especially yeah, with the Hawaiian shirt. I know. Yeah, it you feels good, like a good weekend already. Feels like a good weekend already. Yeah. I, know, I should have worn my Hawaiian shirt if I knew. <laughs> if, if I knew, if only you knew. I would. I, cause I was like, oh, I looked at it, and I was like, oh no, maybe I'll wear this because KTC is coming at uh, twelve thirty mm. to do uh, some stuff. Uh, a spot on some stuff that I posted recently. So hopefully that goes well. You so. probably saw my profile picture on LinkedIn and you were like, this, there's no way this dude's coming in a suit and jacket. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't need to wear the shirt. All right, man. Cool, well, man. look, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed the episode and got some little bit of knowledge and forgive me if I got on a tangent about technology and, uh, <laughs> whatnot but it is what it is uh so yeah ben thank you for coming on and i look forward to seeing the the growth and maybe i can come check out your Hell your yeah. space whenever you guys uh, show you the fill kind of coming in yeah <laughs> all right well cool that's it see you guys on the next one